The politics of sound. Over the last two weeks, London has seen a new phase of demonstrations by the environmental group Extinction Rebellion under the banner heading International Rebellion. One of their most prominent activists is musician Cathy Eastburn, who's been involved in a number of high-profile actions, including the recent spray paint attack on the Treasury. She's on the line now. Cathy, welcome to Politics of Soundbites. Hi, Ian. How have the last couple of weeks been for you? Um, great um, and quite exhausting. <laughs> um, I've been um, most days out on the streets with Extinction Rebellion. I've been arrested three times in the last two weeks um, and that's always quite a long process of being arrested and taken to the station and then either released under investigation or charged and then released. So it's all, yes, it's been quite exhausting. But also um, uh, I actually wasn't expecting to be out on the streets. I was, um, as you mentioned, part of the... um, Uh, action that spray painted fake blood from the top of a fire engine over the treasury Um, and I was fully expecting to be remanded in custody after that action so it was was actually quite surprising and and a a huge relief that that didn't happen. I was prepared to be put in prison but I, I was quite glad not to be. When um, when we spoke on the phone a few days ago, you were, in your own words, rushing off to be arrested. What what actually (laughs) happened? Uh, Well, so at the beginning of the week, um, the Met Police introduced um, what's known as a Section 14 um, ruling across the whole of London. Um, And Section 14 is supposed to just apply to very small areas where um, the police want to stop a particular protest for whatever reason Um, so they really kind of basically um, stamped down on um, all Extinction Rebellion protests across the whole of London so I went out on Wednesday with some friends um, to go and support an action by Extinction Rebellion youth um, who are protesting outside YouTube headquarters um, because YouTube curates a lot of um, climate denial content and a lot of teenagers use YouTube as their main source of information so they're picking up a lot of untruths. Um, Anyway so we and we also thought it'd be good to get arrested for breaking the section 14 ban because it is so ridiculous um, that um, we're being banned from protesting uh, anywhere in London including just walking around with placards saying Extinction Rebellion. Um, Technically that last week when section 14 was in place that would have been an arrestable offence. You've already written about your experience of going to jail you wrote about that in the celebrated book This Is Not a Drill Uh, you're one of the contributors to that do you fear going back to jail after having had that experience? Well I won't say it was a holiday going to jail um, but it was tolerable and um, it's not something I would ever in a million years want to do um, in any normal circumstances. But when you um, when you read about the science of climate breakdown and what's actually happening now and what's coming down the line um, very shortly, if governments don't take massive urgent action, it's, it's so terrifying. I've got two daughters teenage daughters and the way things are at the moment they 
they don't have a future. And that's not a kind of, I'm not speaking in metaphor there, that's, that's the truth. And it's just so terrifying. And my duty as a mother, my, my role as a mother is to protect my children. So in, in that context, going to prison, while not a bundle of laughs, it's necessary. It certainly, when I went to prison in April, because of um, my actions uh, back then, it you know all of that really helped raise the profile of the issue, and I think um, most of the public now realise there's a climate emergency, and you know we've got to keep going. Um, so it's in that way, it's worth it. Public support for your cause seems strong, by all accounts, but I just wonder. Is support for your actions and methods? Do you think that in some way maybe it has cooled somewhat since the demonstrations of earlier this year? The sun was shining, you were in Oxford Circus amongst other places, and there seemed to be a sort of great community support for you. I think that's possibly true, um, um, but that doesn't matter. That's not actually relevant to. Um, what a lot of us are trying to do in Extinction Rebellion. Um, we're not trying to do things to be liked or things that are comfortable or, or um, particularly palatable. It's about sounding the alarm for the climate emergency. And um, alarms, almost by definition, are quite irritating and uh, disruptive. Um, and if you look at sort of history and um, where normal citizens have achieved um, significant sort of system change like civil rights um, in America or suffragettes here in the UK. Um, that was done through really quite disruptive and annoying, in some cases, um, civil disobedience. Um, and there's quite a lot, I'm, I'm not a kind of academic about these things, but there are academics who've been looking at how, um, how to change the system. And it, you can't do it by kind of what we've been doing here for the last 30 years which is signing petitions and going on marches and writing to our MPs that that doesn't work and what does work is um is civil disobedience non-violent has to be non-violent civil disobedience and that is potentially quite annoying um so it doesn't really matter if what you do is unpopular but it's about sounding the alarm and raising awareness and persuading the government to take action. From what you're saying, bearing in mind that there's a strong likelihood of a general election coming up in the near future, I can't see, therefore, that you would say that Extinction Rebellion will be fielding candidates and going down a parliamentary route, therefore. Um, I don't think so. Um, Why not? We're, well, I think um, Extinction Rebellion, um, we like to say that we're beyond politics, and as soon as we get embroiled in all of that, um, that's no longer the case. And Extinction Rebellion is is about sounding the alarm and um, making sure that people understand there is a climate and ecological emergency. And people, there's more and more people that do know that now, but it's a lot of people don't realise that's happening. Um, and that's mainly because perhaps the government is not talking about it or acting on it. And also the media generally is not really... Um, tackling it as a serious issue. Can you pinpoint a particular moment of environmental awakening within your life? I've always been interested in the environment and in 
taking care of the planet um, and in particular in global warming. Probably for about getting on for 30 years, um, I've been interested in global warming and climate change issues. But even before that, even as a child, I was giving money to the World Wildlife Fund and Save the Whales type things. And I was a Greenpeace supporter, I remember, when I was a teenager. Um, but becoming more and more interested specifically in climate change from probably the early 90s. But at that time in the 80s or 90s, whenever it was, the level of understanding about the emergency which you speak about was not really known in that way, or was it by you? No, it really wasn't. I think maybe some people um, did have an inkling of what was unfolding, but certainly I didn't. Um, really, until very recently, I honestly thought that if I did my bit, so, you know, I've um, I'm a vegan now, but I've been vegetarian for a long, long time, vegan more recently. Um, I don't have a car. Um, as a family, we stopped flying on holidays quite a few years ago and um, got very well insulated house, etc., etc. So I, I honestly thought that sort of doing my bit um, and doing the kind of usual things of giving money to um, Friends of the Earth and other groups, 38 Degrees, you know, going on marches and <laughs> signing petitions and all that sort of stuff. I honestly thought that would work. And I also, I suppose, to be honest, I thought that what was happening was quite a long way off. Um, really that, you know, although things were getting worse and worse, that actually it was sufficiently far off not to really matter directly to me or, or my children and it was only last October when the inter Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released their most recent report um, which was a huge wake-up call to me. I think that's when the penny dropped because what they said in that report was we've only got 12 years to take swift urgent action to avoid catastrophic um, climate breakdown and that um, when you say catastrophic what sort of things would we see say if nothing changes from well, now if nothing, nothing changes from now um, we're on course for three or possibly four degrees of increased warming but that means all you know much of the world's uh, crops are destroyed um, by rising sea levels it means hundreds of millions of people's lives or livelihoods are lost it means wars breaking out it means no food in the supermarkets so it's kind of like the breakdown of civilization as we know it in addition to being an environmentalist you're also a passionate musician with a particular interest, I think, in gamelan music. How did you discover the gamelan? Well, that was quite random, actually, because I, I remember uh, about 22, 23 years ago, I saw an ad in The Guardian that said, do you want to learn how to play gamelan? <laughs> and I, I think I was looking for a hobby. <laughs> um, my background as a child was as a quite an accomplished um, pianist, and I... I I studied Western music a lot, but had kind of not really done much for a while. And I just fancied a hobby. And I didn't even know what gamelan was particularly. I just thought, oh, 
hmm, that's Asian percussion music. Oh, that sounds interesting. So I just went along to um, a beginner's evening class. At the Was South that on Bank. the South Bank? Yeah, the yeah, Festival South- Hall, I think they have them. Yes. They, um, so the South Bank Centre has a resident gamelan and they do community evening classes and other projects there. So I just signed up for a beginner's evening class. And I remember straight away just falling in love with the sound of the instruments, which they're very, very resonant. Um, for those who are not aware of actually what this is, what, what is a gamelan? Can you give us a brief description? So gamelan is a collective noun uh, so like an orchestra and it's a collection of bronze mainly bronze percussion instruments so gongs uh, metallophones chimes um all as all in tune with each other um sitting they're very heavy big instruments and they sit on the floor in a big room and a group of people will just come into the gamelan and play it um and it's quite easy to learn the very basics um so you quickly get um, quite nice sounding results. What effect does this music have on you and why is it so attractive to you? Uh, I think partly it's about the actual sound of the instruments because they're very resonant, Very, so the sound is very physical, so the whole air around you fills with vibrations. It's almost like a tactile experience as well as an auditory one. And it's also a very communal form of music so even if you're a fantastic virtuoso musician in your own right that doesn't really matter in a gamelan it's much more about um, listening to other people and listening to each other and fitting your part in with everyone else so it's sort of um, it's a communal activity and it makes you feel really connected to other people. Do you feel that music of any type has an important part to play within process? Uh, yes, um, definitely. Um, I think just um, thinking about my own experience in the last couple of weeks, um, just there are lots of chants that people do. Um, and for example, sitting in the road as I was on Wednesday, waiting for the police to come and arrest me for breaching their Section 14 blanket ban. Um, it just yeah passes the time. It makes you feel very connected with the other people there. It lifts your spirits. Um, it's and it can be very moving as well. Um, so when um, watching people being arrested can be quite an emotional um, thing. And and there's often singing and chanting around around that. So yeah, it's been an important part of of uh, Extinction Rebellion. When watching footage actually of the demonstrations that you've been part of i'm struck by a sense of peace and contentment that you portray and others do you think you would attribute any of that contentment within those actions to your musical tastes and experiences i can only speak for me i i wouldn't know about others but um absolutely yes in my case um playing gamelan for 20 years has has definitely um, helped me feel connected to other people. It's a very sort of calming music. Um, it's quite meditative and it certainly taught me to, to be sort of calm um, and be in the moment and 
feel connected to other people and to what's going on in that moment. So it's given me um, those sorts of resources to draw on when in what what could be quite a you know heated or difficult situation, such as you know sitting in a road waiting to be arrested or doing something that's actually breaking the law. I'm not naturally a very disruptive person. I'm very sort of law abiding and quite a gentle person generally. So this is all quite out of my comfort zone. And I think for lots of other people in Extinction Rebellion as well. So this all, it all kind of helps um, create a calmer mood, I think. Where now for your music and where now for Extinction Rebellion? Uh, well, for my music, um, I put all my music on hold um, a month or so ago, thinking I would be put on remand in prison for maybe a few weeks or even months. So I'm going to be starting up again with my performing, um, with the sort of therapeutic work that I do using gongs and chimes. And the thing about gamelan is, even though it's quite easy to learn the basics, it's actually a very, very sophisticated form of music. Um, there's endless hidden depths, as you probably you probably know from listening to it. And where now for Extinction Rebellion? Well, I don't know. Um, the two-week International Rebellion finished uh, on Friday. And as always with Extinction Rebellion, there's a real focus now on what they call what we call regen which is sort of regenerative activities so resting um i'm going to be doing a therapeutic gong bath this evening for um people who've been actively involved for the last two weeks as a sort of relaxing restorative activity so a lot of regen stuff going on reflection um sharing thoughts about what we want to do next um, but this is an ongoing thing. We are in ongoing rebellion um, against our government until it takes action, until it starts telling the truth about the climate emergency, until it, until it starts taking action. Um, we need them to make firm commitments about uh, net zero carbon emissions, not just a, a way to um, far off vague promise, which is what we've got at the moment. Um, and, um, yeah, we need to continue to put the pressure on so that they actually fulfil their duty of care towards us. Cathy, we're going to finish by hearing a recording of one of your musical performances. What are we going to hear? Um, so um, I found something that's uh, online that's a recording of... Um, a traditional gamelan piece that uh, I was part of, um, I think about 18 months ago, um, a concert we did in the Union Chapel in London. Um, so it's a, it's a quite a small ensemble. I think there are only four or five of us playing, but it's a very beautiful piece and it's a lovely acoustic. The Union Chapel, I don't know if you know it, is a really fantastic space. So, um, and yeah. what are you doing in this performance? So in this one, I'm singing. Um, Yes, yeah. Cathy Eastburn, thank you very much. Thank you.
the politics of sound.